Remember the Thai cave rescue? What about the mission depicted in Black Hawk Down or the epic rescue shown in Captain Phillips? You've probably heard of all of these, but did you know that U.S. Air Force Special Warfare played a pivotal role in all of them? These airmen are the most highly trained warriors on the planet. Other forces like the SEALs and Army Rangers call on them to provide skills no one else can. Not many people make the cut, but if you think you can, visit AirForce.com to learn more. This is the Busted Open Podcast. You can listen to the full show Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. Welcome to the Busted Open Podcast. This is Dave LaGreca. On today's episode, it's 316 Day. That's right. Bully Ray and I celebrate Stone Cold Steve Austin 316 Day with you the Busted Open Nation, we talk about that 316 promo and if it's the greatest promo in the history of pro wrestling. Also, we talk about the historic main event that's taking place on AEW Dynamite between Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa. And who better to talk about it than our good friend Thunder Rosa right now on the Busted Open Podcast. And so I ask you, Bully, that promo at King of the Ring, on Jake the Snake Roberts when he mentions 316. And he also, at the end of that promo, says, you know, he wraps up the promo, one of the greatest lines ever. You're talking about two two grand slams in one promo. So I ask you, Bully, because in the world of professional wrestling, we have seen amazing guys on the microphone, and we've heard some amazing promos. Is Austin 316 the greatest promo of all time? Before we dissect this, let me ask you your opinion. What makes for a great promo? Uh, It's got to sell you on something, uh, sell you on a match. Uh, It's got to define a personality and a character. It's got to get people excited. That's probably the, the main elements for a great promo. So based on what you just said, just now, those three points, would you consider it the greatest promo of all time in your opinion? Based on your points. Um wow, it's 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 a great question, bully. Um and you know I find Ric Flair is my to me the greatest of all time. And if I had to pick one man that was the greatest at promos, it was Ric Flair. But I don't think one particular promo defines Ric Flair. Um if uh, go ahead when we talk about promos there are very few that are definable mm-hmm. by a certain word like austin 316 we know what promo we're talking about right yes hard times we know what promo we're talking about right yes yes pipe bomb you know what p- promo we're talking about right yep yes what other promos out there are definable by those types of terms no i think though i think what you just mentioned are probably the top three so i think we can narrow it down to those three as far as best promos because they're they're the most memorable and definable because if i say austin 316 you know king of the ring if i say hard times you know dusty Rhodes and georgia championship pressing and if i say pipe bomb you know it's cm punk sitting indian style 
on Monday Night Raw. Yes. So when I look at those three promos, I ask myself, other than Austin 316 means I just whipped your ass, what else about that promo is memorable? For me, nothing. I don't really remember much about it other than Austin 316. I'm not, that's not to say that it was bad or not memorable, but I just don't remember much about it like I remember hard times, like I remember the pipe bomb. Um, when I the, think, oh, actually, go ahead. Oh, no, because it was the Austin 316, but also he wrapped it up at the end saying, and that's the bottom line because Stone Cold said so. Like, I mean, those are two iconic lines that are a T-shirt and are remembered forever. And that's in one promo. And I think you have to know also now over the length of time, Bully, we know the story behind that promo as well. You know, you know, Michael Hayes told him that Jake cut a religious-based promo on him. Jake had just got eliminated from King of the Ring. So there's Stone Cold, who came back from the hospital, right? He had to get the stitches. He had to. He just came back from the hospital. Didn't even get to hear what Jake the Snake Roberts said. And knowing it was religious-based, he threw out the Austin 316 line. And then he was told to wrap up the promo. And off the top of his head, he's like, and that's the bottom line, because Stone Cold said so. So to get those two iconic lines in one promo, because, like... The Hard Times promo obviously is remembered forever. It sold you on uh, the, the the feud between Dusty Rhodes and Ric Flair. A lot of people even would throw out a, a Randy Macho Man Savage, you know, the cream of the crop, you know, the whole match with Ricky Steamboat. That's one of the great ones, too. But, man, you look at the promo that Stone Cold cut, you could also say that that changed the landscape of the WWF at that time. Like that is the most yeah. important thing to me. I I don't think Austin three sixteen is the greatest promo of all time. I think it is the biggest industry changing promo of all time. Because go watch Monday Night Raw the very next night. I mean, you want to talk about catching lightning in a bottle? That's a big bottle and a hell of a bolt of lightning. Seriously, I mean, and and you know, and who, and you know who wrote Austin three sixteen, and and that's the bottom line because Tolstoy said so. You know which writer wrote that for him, right? There was no writer. <laughs> that was right off the top of the, like I said, that was right off of Stone Cold Steve Austin's the top of his head. So think about that. Like, not saying that no. I mean, obviously, we know nobody wrote Hard Times for Dusty Rhodes. We, we, we know, like, CM Punk, I'm guessing that came from the mind of CM Punk. When you look at uh, Dusty Rhodes in that Hard Times promo, I think you would agree, Bully, that Dusty Rhodes was already an icon, was already a legend, was already a first ballot Hall of Famer by the time he cut that Hard Times promo. CM Punk, when he, you know, did that pipe bomb promo, it... It was great. It started a little bit of something, but I don't think it really completed what they thought was actually going to happen with CM Punk. This started, this was the foundation of what became Stone Cold Steve Austin as we know him now. I don't think you could, I don't think you could say that about any other promo in the history of pro wrestling. So if you say Hard Times is the greatest promo, Cream of the Crop by Savage, you say, you know, the Pipe Bomb by CM Punk. 
listen, I, I can't argue with you. But when you look how, like Bully just said, how it changed the landscape and the immediate attention that it drew from the WWF audience, I'd probably have to say that the number one promo of all time would be the Austin 316. I'm going to go with hard times because of the emotion of it. There was so much emotion in hard times. And if you believe urban legend, when Dusty reached out, um, but, uh, that, that might be a separate promo. The hard times promo. No, no, it, he was. He reached it out. Is. Yeah, yes. When he reached out, there, 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 there was, the urban legend is that people in their homes actually got up out of their chairs to touch the TV set. Almost like Dusty Rhodes was a faith healer. Nobody could talk them into the building like a Dusty Rhodes. To me, that hard times for, and I'll tell you why I'm of the opinion. And and this is, I'm I'm not telling you that it that that it should be. I'm not telling you that you should think hard times is the greatest one. But I know in my career as a person who prided himself on his promo, hard times is the only promo I copied. I took hard times and turned it around and made it a heel promo. And that's the promo I cut on AJ Styles before our match at Bound for Glory. I I wanted to put a different spin on hard times. That's how much that promo meant to me. Industry changing, without a doubt, Austin. Getting people to sit up and take notice, CM Punk. All and and listen, we're leaving I'm sure there's so many great promos from The Rock from Hulk Hogan, from Ric Flair. But what are the what are the ones that stand out? Which Ric Flair promo do we talk about, like Hard Times or Pipe Bomb or Austin 316? There really isn't because, you know, you talk about the jet flying, kiss stealing, wheeling dealing, son of a gun. Like, he said that a lot. So there wasn't like one specific promo from the Nature Boy Ric Flair. You say, oh, my God, that's the greatest promo. of." I mean, I'd be hard-pressed to find the greatest Ric Flair promo. But we know with Dusty, it was hard times. We know with Punk, it was the pipe bomb. And we know with Stone Cold Steve Austin, it was 316 because that's the bottom line because Stone Cold said so. Like, those are defining you know, promos that completely are remembered for the span of a pro wrestling lifetime. It's it's these these are the reasons why I am so adamant about letting talent go out there and do what they do. Letting the talent go out there and be talented. If you can catch lightning in a bottle with Steve Austin, you can catch lightning in a bottle with other talent also. I'm not saying that everybody gets a chance every single week. But I'll be damned if everybody shouldn't be given at least one chance to have their Austin 316 moment. Because this is a guy that Vince McMahon was adamant about not speaking on a microphone. And and look at what we got. So maybe somebody else has something like that in them. Maybe an Eli Drake, an L.A. Knight has something like that in him. And, and that's, that name just popped into my head because I know how accomplished he is on the microphone and how witty he is on the microphone. I'm sure that the whole, whole host of talents. Look at what we got from Peyton Royce last week on Raw Talk. 
I'm, I'm not comparing Peyton Royce on Raw Talk to Austin 316, but look at what happens when we let the talent go a little bit. Look at what we get from them. Look at what happens when we allow them to express themselves and, and show their true emotions and their true feelings. If you can get that in front of a live audience, live microphone in hand, instead of having it buried on Talking Smack or Raw Talk, if you were able to do that in a full arena of people, that could define a career just like Austin 316 did. All right, Bully, when we come back, let's go to the Busted and, and Open Dave, before, go before you go to before you go to break, I'm just saying, and this is where I believe the industry needs to go in letting talent speak from the heart at all times because real works and that's what i think fans want to see i feel at some point bully we're going to get back around to that like I, I think we've gotten so far out that we've lost the emotion behind pro wrestling at some point we got to go back to to being able to have moments like austin 316 I, at least I, that's what i hope i think the nwa was doing a really good job of it um before they had to shut down for a while, and now we're getting their resurgence. I think AEW does a very good job of it because obviously if there's any company that runs a loose ship when it comes to what goes on in that ring, it's probably AEW. Mm-hmm. I'd love to see it a lot more from the WWE because if any talents are pent up and feel real emotion, it's the talents in the WWE, and that's what you got from Peyton last week on Raw Talk. Hey, everybody, this is Fran Fraschella, host of the podcast World of Basketball. The game of basketball has truly become a global game. Markovich fires it in to Mickey, and somehow it goes in. Each week, I talk with the players, coaches, and executives who have led the way in growing the game of basketball around the world. Real Madrid have stolen victory from the jaws of defeat. Episodes are are available every Thursday on the Sirius XM app, Pandora, and Apple Podcasts. It's it's a, 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 an industry-changing promo. It might be a business-saving promo. Um, the world, the, the WWE, like, turned around um, almost in an instant after that promo, at least to my recollection. And I'm sure people are going to have many different opinions on many different promos. Oh, this, you know, Rock, you can't narrow Rock's promos down to one great promo. Everything Rocky did was great on the stick, but did he have that one memorable promo? Hogan. Hogan was always great on the microphone. Did he have that one memorable promo? We know that Rocky always said, you know, if you smell, la, 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 and Hogan always said, you know, what you're going to do, brother, but what memorable moment in time promo did they have? Ric Flair. The reason why we're talking about these three, or at least I've brought these three up, and I'm more than willing to listen to everybody else's opinion, is because they are identifiable, identifiable in title. Austin mm-hmm. 316, hard times, pipe bomb. Yep. Immediately, you know. So as great as all of these other promos might be, give me one that is easily easily identifiable by just a term. Yeah, and that's a great, I mean, I think that's really kind of the standard when you talk about these greatest promos. Like you talked about the criteria. What are you selling? Who are you talking about? Talking about your personality and character. Obviously identifiable by the nature. You know that. You say Austin 316, you know it's the King of the Ring promo. 
Hard Times, you know it's the promo leading into that feud with the nature boy, Ric Flair, and what Ric Flair did to the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes. And then that pipe bomb promo where in the, in the middle of the PG era of the WWE on Monday Night Raw, he's talking about Heyman and Brock and Cole Cabana and New Japan and Ring of Honor. And you're like, holy shit. Holy shit. I can't believe what CM Punk is saying. So let me ask you this. Perception versus reality. Perception-wise, I know the Shane, Shane Douglas NWA promo is not anywhere near those other promos. In reality, based on the criteria, is it? Yeah, because it kind of changed the landscape, right? It's, you know, it really did. It was, it was uh, I- maybe not career-defining to Shane Douglas, but company-defining for ECW, that promo. An entire company was put on the map in that moment in time. Now, you could make the argument that the action of throwing down the championship and the action of throwing down the NWA championship and the action of raising the ECW championship is the actual memorable moments and not the promo itself, not the words itself. But I'll be damned that we're talking about how Austin 316 changed an industry. That Shane Douglas promo did the same thing, man. So trying to be fair here, perception-wise, you would never think of including Shane Douglas and a promo in the same breath as Austin or Dusty or even Punk for that matter. But I think based on the criteria, it actually fits in. Yeah, because we're not talking about a career body of work. If you're talking about a career body of work, you're not going to mention the name Shane Douglas. But when you talk about one specific promo as one of the greatest of all time, you have to throw that one in there. It is Austin 316 Day. Uh, Michael McAvenny is going to join us at the bottom of the hour to talk about his new book, Austin 316, 316 facts and stories about Stone Cold Steve Austin. Some of those stories, Bully, involving you. So I'm interested to talk about that with Michael when he joins us later on in the show. Are you ready to get back to the Busted Open Nation? Sure. What? Do you have something else that you wanted to say? Yeah, I, I, no, I, I, I can tell by the look on your head. But, but what about Hogan's Bash at the Beach promo? I, I Yeah. <laughs> you know what? If, you're gonna, if you were going to define one promo from Hogan, and you talk about changing the landscape of pro wrestling, yeah. Yeah, and here's why, too. Ric Flair had to do a promo every time... He was at the TBS studios. 6.05 Saturday night, that guy was driving you know, down the highway to go to uh, the, those TBS studios, and he's thinking about what promo he was going to cut on whatever wrestler he was going to face you know, at the Omni that, that, that month, right? Yep. Hogan is one of those. I mean, how many times did Hogan have to cut a promo you know, for the match he was going to have at the Garden? You know, at the match he was going to have at the Nassau Coliseum, the match he was going to have at the Landover, Maryland. So there might have been promos, bully, that were like, oh, my God. But only a small market of people were able to see that promo because it wasn't on national TV. So it really wasn't until later on into Hogan's career where he was cutting promos, right, that was seen in front of a national audience. One of those being a landscape-defining promo like the one at Bash at the Beach. I, I agree. Yes. 
But as we're as we're talking here and thinking, I'm trying to find other promos that are identifiable. Hogan Bash at the beach. If you're gonna if you're gonna put Shane Douglas in there, I think you can put Hogan's promo in there. Is it the greatest NWO heel turn of all time? Is it the is it is that like no. the greatest heel turn? No, no. Bully Ray in the cage at lockdown. <laughs> <laughs> it was, a, it uh, was good. Yeah, I don't no. know. <laughs> no, it's yeah. It, it, it's 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 got to be one of the greatest heels heel turns of all time. Which other heel turn comes to mind that beats Hogan's heel turn? I, I don't think it can because it's it's Hulk Hogan. I got one. You'll appreciate it, but not everybody's going to know what we're talking about. Go ahead, Zabisco. Zabisco's turn on San Martino was definitely like top three greatest turns of all time. I mean, and that stuff started riots. Yes. People wanted to kill Larry Zabisco. I mean, that's when the, that's when the emotion was really authentic. That's when that's when the business was beautiful because the business was protected. And and that and and that led to a match at Shea Stadium at a time when pro wrestling was regional and and didn't do stadiums, you know. I mean that just did not happen. It's it's a common occurrence now because pro wrestling's worldwide and people converge to WrestleMania to fill a stadium. That didn't happen at the time of the territories. But Zabisco and San Martino got forty thousand plus at Shea Stadium. Because of that turn, it's it's, it's a hell of a fact. turn. Also, it's 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 definitely. But the Hogan one is not just the turn; it's the promo. What he said on the microphone that night as well. Let's go to Joe in North Carolina. Joe, what do you got when it comes to these promos, buddy? Joe. Okay, we lost Joe. Hope we can get him back. Let's go to Steve in New Jersey. What's going on, Steve? Hey, good morning, guys. How are you? What's um, up, buddy? I'm going to say that Austin's promo was the greatest of his era, of the Attitude Era, but I'm a hard times guy. Dusty Rhodes, Ric Flair every week going back and forth, him reaching out to the fans, I'm touching you. You're touching me. Um, Bully, you worked with Dusty a lot, so you know. Believability. I've never worked with Dusty Dusty Rhodes. I've never worked with Dusty Rhodes, ever. So just want to clarify, I don't know why you would. No, I never had the pleasure. No, I'm sorry, but I I misspoke. Yep, no problem. So anyway, um, but a big thing of his was believability. And him and Austin, both promos, when those guys are talking, and and you, you guys brought up Bruno, you believed in those guys. You might think to yourself for a minute, all right, all this other stuff, you know, that's not real, but these guys here, they're real. This is real. You know, they, they, they drew the emotion out, you know. There is no there's no honor among thieves. No, Steve, no it's, it's – I, Steve, it, and again, people, I mean, uh, people have, you know, recited that word for word, that promo. But I will say this. I watched the Hard Times promo when it first was broadcast on TV. Bob Cottle was interviewing Dusty Rhodes on Worldwide Wrestling, Mid-Atlantic Wrestling, and he and he said that promo. It was a different time. It was there during the territories, but that that promo didn't 
change the landscape of pro wrestling. It was just another great promo by the American Dream Dusty Rhodes at that time. Now, over time, the myth of that promo has grown and grown. And we've we've seen it replayed many times. But I got to be honest with you, Bully. When I saw that promo the first time on Mid-Atlantic Wrestling, I didn't think I was watching history. I didn't think I was going to be talking about what Dusty Rhodes was talking about that 35 years later. The Stone Cold promo... It almost was an immediate change in the landscape of pro wrestling. I think it's because you saw the Stone Cold promo as an adult and had a little bit more appreciation. You probably saw the Dusty promo as a kid. Yes. And it was just a guy talking at the time, and you weren't able to feel that raw emotion because you weren't mature enough or didn't have enough life um, you know, experience yet. You couldn't relate to what Dusty Rhodes was saying at that time you could relate to steve austin wanting to kick ass but i don't think you're able to relate to dusty now you know what he's saying no as far as you're now, right now we were just talking about hulk's heel turn right mm-hmm. massive heel turn yes what was bigger hulk <laughs> turning and joining the nwo or andre turning on hulk andre turning on hulk I mean, think about it. Yeah. That 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 five, six, seven minutes on Piper's Pit puts 93,000 people in the Pontiac Silverdome. And, and again, you talk about age and defining moments. Bully, I don't know if it was the same with you, but, you know, being a pro wrestling fan in school, you know, not a lot of people were calling you the cool kid when you were a pro wrestling fan in school. You get ridiculed a little bit, and I definitely did. When did that change? With Hogan and Andre. All of a sudden, everybody wanted to talk to me about pro wrestling because now that Hogan-Andre and that lead-up to WrestleMania three had everybody talking, like you said, leading to 93,000 fans. It's 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 It's... I, I, I still think good, shocking moments, the most shocking moment I've ever experienced as a wrestling fan was when Brock beat uh, Undertaker at WrestleMania 30. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a shocking moment. We're not talking about shocking moments, but yeah, that's a shocking moment. I don't know, I'm just coming up with things off the top of my head as we're having this conversation. Here, here's a funny memory that just got uh, brought back into my mind talking about WrestleMania 3. I remember one time at TNA, we were having a meeting and Bischoff's there and Hogan's there and Dixie's there and whoever's there. And I, I was in, I was helping out with agent and producing duties at the time while I was wrestling there and the silver dome came up and I said something about, well, you know, if TNA is ever going to put 93,000 people in an arena, you know, we should start doing this. And Hogan stops the conversation and he goes, 93,174, brother. <laughs> now, I don't know if the 174 is right, but whatever the exact number was, he made sure, you know, to get it out there. And people might mistake that for ego. I just mistook that for, I just took that as, hey, man, if you're going to put that many people in an arena, you need to give it full credit and get the number right because none of you other punks have ever done this. No, I mean, seriously, like, he was the reason. Right, yeah. him and uh, him there and Andre 93, were the reason. Ninety-three thousand one hundred and seventy-three. Nine, nine, ninety-three thousand one hundred and seventy-three people at the Pontiac Silverdome, and like we go back 
you know, people talk about, you know, Savage's promo leading to WrestleMania three in the match with Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. And a lot of people say that's the greatest WrestleMania match of all time. Some people might say the greatest match of all time was Randy Savage and, and Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. I'm telling you right now, that's not the reason why people went to the Pontiac Silverdome. Every one of those 93,173 people were there to see Hogan versus Andre. Without a doubt. End of story. Yep. And I don't think you could ever get back to that moment. I don't know if the way the, the way that pro wrestling is right now, are you going to get that amount of people there to buy a ticket for one match? I don't know. There are very few people that I see today that can elicit raw emotion. We get little hints of it here and there, but I'm talking about pure raw emotion. Like that raw emotion we've talked about back in the day, a hard times emotion, an Austin 316 emotion, the emotion that ran through people's you know, uh, bodies, minds, and souls when Larry Zbysko turned on Bruno San Martino. That organic emotion that sweeps through you and comes out of nowhere because something was done or said that you never saw coming. Nowadays, we see it all coming from a mile away. So if you can see it coming from a mile away, you know what to expect. Pro wrestling should be a very romantic thing. It should sweep you off your feet when done the right way. Think of that feeling you got when you saw your wife for the first time. Think about, uh, or maybe when you saw the, the, the birth of your daughter for the first time. Uh, uh, you know, the, the welling oh. up of love yes. and awe that you get inside. It, it, it takes you, it takes over you. Or like I say, relationship-wise, because rela- a relationship is more uh, is a better comparison to pro wrestling because you have a relationship with the wrestlers emotionally. So you think about it. How did I feel the first time I met this woman? Or how does the first time a woman meets a man? Whatever. It's what comes over you. And when pro wrestling is done the right way, that's the feeling. And it comes out of nowhere. It's like they talk about Cupid's arrow hitting you out of nowhere, and you, oh my God, you're shocked. Oh, I have all these feelings running through me. Those are the emotions that I talk about on this show. That's the rawness, the organicness, the purity of it. And I, I feel like I'm one in a very, very, very small percentage of the wrestling industry <clears throat> who still appreciate it and who still get it and know what it's supposed to be. Because we've gotten so far away from it. We got to get back there. Why do you think? No, I was just saying we have to get back there. Because you just talking about it is getting me emotional. You talking about the getting the emotion makes me emotional. Because it's so rare nowadays. It's so rare. It's rare to the point where... I mean, we've seen great promos. We've seen, like you said, Peyton Royce on on Raw Talk. Yes. Boy, oh, wow, she did it. But where do you go from there? How how does that move you forward? Where's the story that's going to lead to a match that's going to accumulate all those things that we're feeling? It just doesn't happen anymore. And, And I feel, Bully, if you gave a live microphone to these wrestlers, hey, man, Bully, 
Nothing scripted between you and I. If we go on the air and we suck at what we do, then we're off the air and we're out of a job. Because we have to draw out that emotion from the people who listen to us. The same thing should be happening wrestling. Give them a live microphone and get us emotionally invested where we're going to tune in each and every week. Then you're not talking about, well, this week they got 900 and something thousand and the week after that 700 and something. No, that's how you build momentum as a company in a show and as a wrestler. Dave, the world of pro wrestling that I come from and the world of pro wrestling that I like to be involved with is very simple. Here's a live microphone. Go out there. Get over or get out. Because if you give somebody a live microphone, you are putting it all on them. Give me the best of you. Show me what you got. Let me see you rile up a crowd. Let me see you make a crowd love you. Show me the emotional investment with your words, not a super kick. Anybody can do a super kick. Not everybody can elicit raw emotion with their words, with their tone, with their inflection. I'd hand talent microphones constantly. Go out there and talk. Who do you love? Who do you hate? And why? And that's how you build stories in the wrestling business. But these stories won't be canned stories. They'll be real stories because guys will be talking about guys or gals and gals that really did something to them. I don't care if it's the simplest story in the world. Hey, wrestler A. Tell me a story. Tell me a story about why you don't like somebody. Well, I was on the road this one time, and I was sharing the car with so and so, and he beat me on the he beat me on the on the on the rental fee, and uh, he he claims to have forgotten about it. <clears throat> build a story around it. You can build a story around anything in pro wrestling if the emotion is there. And what did all these promos that we're talking about have? Emotion, real emotion. And if the emotion was not real. At least it made the fan believe that it was real. That's what, like with the whole CM Punk thing. Everybody's like, oh my God, it was a shoot. If you think the CM Punk promo was a shoot, then you're working yourself into a shoot, brother. <laughs> but, it, but it doesn't matter. People thought it was, and it, 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 it thus the emotion welled up in them. Here's the thing. You know the wrestling that you grew up on. You know the promos you grew up on. You saw Pedro Morales be able to just clap his hands and get wide-eyed and get an entire arena fired up. You knew what happened when Bruno... Bruno didn't... Bruno came to the ring and you would hear the, the chanting of Bruno's name through the hallowed walls of Madison Square Garden. Bruno, Bruno, Bruno. That's real emotion. Who has that real emotion today? You're going to have a lot of people say, oh, well, this guy has it. This guy has it. No. You know why you think those people have it? It's because you've never been exposed to the guys and gals that really had it. It's like people say, what's the greatest WrestleMania match of all time? They'll say Steamboat and Savage. Nope. Undertaker, Mike. Nope. What? Come on. Keep going. 
I mean, D- Dudley's Hardy's Christian and Edge. No, no, no. Hulk Hogan versus The Rock is the greatest WrestleMania match of all time. Why? Go back and listen. That's why. It's wrestling always changes, but one thing that never changes the emotion and the love and the hate that you feel for the wrestlers. We've kind of gotten away from that. Stone Cold has brought us back here on 316 Day. When we come back, Bully, I'm really looking forward to talking to author Michael McAvinney. Who the fuck is Michael McAvinney? Well, I'll tell you who he is. He's got a new book called Austin 316, 316 Facts and Stories about Stone Cold Steve Austin. We'll celebrate with him. When Bully and I are back right here on Busted Open. Hey everyone, this is Nicole Auerbach, and I want to invite you inside the Coaches Clubhouse, a brand new podcast from SiriusXM that examines what drives coaches on and off the sidelines. We talk to coaches from all different sports and all walks of life about their passion for the profession, their mentors, philosophies, and stories, and also what they care about when they're outside the spotlight. We'll give you a unique perspective on some of the greats in their profession, from Olympic coaches to Super Bowl champions and everyone in between. New episodes out every Wednesday on the SiriusXM app, Pandora, and Apple Podcasts. Bully and I were talking about the book and talking about Austin and talking about that 316 promo from King of the Ring. Michael, now that you're writing an entire book about Stone Cold and 316, in your opinion, is that 316 promo from King of the Ring the greatest pro wrestling promo of all time? I know I'm probably going to sound biased because I wrote this book, but I thought that even before I put pen to paper. I always thought that that was the greatest promo uh, I had ever seen. Um, you know, Austin came off as a guy that, you know, he, you know, he was a bad guy going in. And I think that that promo just completely re-energized him as a, as a, an individual in WWE because he was coming off of being the taskmaster and, uh, and he just uh, he lit it up that night, and I think that it, he never had to look back. You know, he just his character grew. He, he evolved as, as he uh, uh, right after that night. Every every step there just made him bigger and bigger a superstar. I think the interesting point about that promo also is that not only is it extremely memorable and in the conversation of one of the greatest of all time, if not the greatest. It was a heel promo that turned him babyface in the fans' eyes. And Steve never did anything to truly turn babyface except be Steve Austin. And I think that's what makes it um, very interesting. Uh, Mike, uh, was uh, how much of Steve was involved with this book? How, many, how much dealings did you have with him? How hands-on was he? Well, the uh, the facts, that, the stuff that I researched there with him, it was uh, it was run through with WWE. So I never directly contacted uh, Steve myself. WWE interacted with him to let him know about the book and go over uh, some of the material there. Um, but a lot of the uh, the information that I worked off of, I was uh, you know researching uh, various other books, uh, including his own biography uh, in 2004, and uh, also worked on um, listened to his podcast where he told a lot of his stories and, and gave a lot of insight and context to a lot of the things that, uh, that he accomplished in WWE. You know, uh, Michael, uh, you, you share a lot of stories. One story involving our very own Bully Ray when he was part of the Hall of Fame tag team, the Dudleys, with the consumption of beer. Can you, uh, can you share that story with the Busted Open Nation? 
Yeah, I thought it was a I thought it was a great story when I was uh, researching it. Uh, Austin had mentioned on his podcast that he, um, uh, the Dudleys, uh, Tori Wilson and Stacy Keebler and Hurricane, they were all in Japan. He was sheriff of Raw at that point. It was around February 2004, and they were doing a, a live event in Japan. And uh, they drank about what he approximated was a uh, 115 beers in one in the ring that night. Uh, now, I, the fact that Billy Ray standing and still talking today is is you know a credit to him um, and and to, to Steve Austin because I, I really couldn't imagine Tori and Stacy were drinking that much of of the beer there. Uh, but yeah, I, I just thought that that was an incredible story, and he you know he pointed out he, that it was the most he remembered ever drinking. Um, between that and just, it seems like he, whenever he traveled to Japan between WWE and WCW, there was always like a lot of drinking involved. <laughs> you know, he uh, he didn't realize he was also going uh, to Japan when he was in WCW. And uh, when he went there with uh, Arn Anderson, he, they didn't realize they were going to be wrestling each other uh, when they touched down for the uh, for the. Uh, for the tournament, and he just remembered that the two of them were were quite uh, quite liquored up from it from the evening, uh, flying over there. And uh, but they still put on a great show. Um, but the, this I just thought was a great great story, and I thought it was worth sharing. There, there was a lot of beer involved. A lot of drinking involved would be an understatement. <laughs> I do remember that night. It closed out the show, and we just. You know, Steve wanted to go crazy, and we went crazy. And, you know, I, I felt bad for the girls at one time because they got absolutely doused, doused <laughs> in beer. And they couldn't they could keep it. It got to the point where we were just pouring beer all over each other and having a good time. I think Steve even had a cowboy hat on at one part. It was uh, definitely, definitely a memorable moment, and I'm happy that it made it into the book. Like I said, congratulations that you actually remember it. I, if, I, if I had anywhere near that amount of beer, I, I don't think uh, I don't think I'd be alive, much less remembering anything from it. And, and how crazy is this to put it in context? What was the record for how many beers Andre drank in one night? Was it like a, a hundred, a hundred and ten, hundred and fifteen? Anybody? Bueller, Bueller. Yeah, it's up I, there. <laughs> yeah, he, I've, I've read a number of stories about Andre. Uh, you know, having quite a, quite a lot of beer, and it seemed like. Uh, I, I again, that's it. Just unfathomable to me, to me that you know he that anybody could drink that much uh, in one sitting. But uh, but I guess I'm a lightweight that way. Well, I, according to myth, 150, 156 beers in one sitting for Andre. Oh. <laughs> were those real beers or like those nips? Well, to him, there were nips. <laughs> this is true. This is true. Yes. Uh, and speaking of beer, uh, Michael, it sounds like, you know, Stone Cold entrusted just one person to throw him those beers. Yeah, that's right. It was uh, it was Mark Eaton. He uh, he th he was actually uh, the timekeeper at WWE uh, back then. And he'd also he'd also refereed a few matches. He was also involved, I know, in the uh, the Mr. T and Roddy Piper match uh, back at WrestleMania, too. He'd, he'd been with the company for a long time. Um, uh, but yeah, Mark uh, was the guy who threw him the beers, and we actually, I checked with uh, WWE's archivist to find out actually what beer uh, Steve Austin drank most of the time uh, in the ring, and it, a lot of people thought it was Bud Light and whatnot. It was actually uh, Natural Light. Natty Light, absolutely. <laughs> yep, love those Natty Lights with the blue lettering on the can. Yep. Yep. 
Is there one story in the book that kind of just even floored you, Michael? I think that, uh, you know, there were a ton of stories in there that I thought were really interesting. I, I thought that, um, you know, he he really comes off, you know, when, when you see him on television, you think, you know, he's this he's this redneck and, and whatever. But while I was researching the, the, the book, I found that he was actually a really intelligent guy. And he, you know, he, he's somebody who knows what he likes, knows what he wants, and he has very definitive opinions. And I think that uh, in the book, you, you get a sense that a lot of the historic moments uh, in WWE come off really uh, well because, you know, he was a guy who wanted to direct his character, make sure that his persona stood out in, in a way that uh, uh, fans could relate to, um, you know, and I think that uh, – he, he does recall a number of instances, you know, the, you know, uh, the Zamboni instance, uh, also the, uh, uh, the beer truck where there were just various uh, happenings. One of the things about that that I always thought was interesting is that he tended to do all of these, these uh, gimmick moments where he was riding uh, all these crazy vehicles, but he never actually had time to, to go over it. It was usually like 15, 20 minutes before he'd go in there. Um, before the actual scene would happen. And uh, uh, another one of those was um, the monster truck uh, where he had to run over the, the Rock's uh, car. And uh, he talked about how the fumes were actually uh, making him nauseous and, and really getting the, the truck's fumes were actually getting to the point where he was having a hard time breathing. And he almost exited the vehicle before TV said, hey, we're on, <laughs> you know. Wow. These 316 moments, are they in any particular order, or are they just a random 316 moments? When I when I started writing the book, I originally thought, oh, I'll go in order. I think, you know, have have it, you know, read straightforward. But honestly, I don't think that that was the way to go, and that's why I actually – you know, peppered it where there's different elements uh, of his of his childhood, uh, his early days in, in uh, pro wrestling, uh, before joining WWE, um, and I, I I changed them around just so that one I think it appeals to people who kind of want to get more of the WWE stuff up front, uh, or it might appeal to people who do want to hear about it more of his WCW or ECW days. And I, I, you know, I, I think that that was the best way to go, you know, and it also allowed us to, to take liberties with the, a lot of the quotes, memorable quotes that he, that he made too on television. I think that, uh, by having it go throughout the book rather than just in some sort of linear order, it made the book, I think a, a more interesting, uh, read and hopefully, People will agree. Uh, one thing that would annoy me at Raw, SmackDown, or any live event was the what chant. But now that we've been without fans for so long, I'm dying to hear what again, Michael. <laughs> yeah, I miss it. I, you know, I know, I know. There's a lot of backlash about it now, but I, I thought it was great. And uh, again, it was at a time where, you know, he just did it as a lark with uh, Christian. Uh, which I mentioned in the book as well, that uh, it was just a voicemail message that he was leaving Christian where he just was playing with the word what every few sentences he'd, uh, he'd leave on the message. And he just thought, you know what, let me try it on television too. And, it, you know, it just grew and was amazing. And it was interesting because it, at first it was really meant to be more um, insulting and demeaning to anybody that was trying to talk uh, over him. He would just shut him down. But then he just, when he, when he kind of went back more into the uh, babyface mode, he, uh, 
he used it more, uh, not so much to intimidate, but just really to kind of get the fans were getting into it. So he was working with the fans on, on doing it uh, rather than just trying to shut somebody up. And, and, and it's crazy, Dave. We've already talked about two things that Steve said on the show that just came off the top of his head that got over yep. organically. And here's the story about the what chant, which which permeates through the wrestling business still to this day. Off the top of Steve's head. Written, produced, and directed by Stone Cold Steve Austin. (laughs) (laughs) That's why you need that pure emotion. That's why, you know, Mike, and I think you would agree, you you need that live microphone in someone's hand where, you know, the unpredictability is what causes some of the greatest moments in pro wrestling history. Absolutely. I agree 100%. I think that some of the best speakers – in wrestling have been guys that didn't have, you know, to work over, you know, a script or uh, a ton of lines uh, beforehand. They, they took, they took their energy, their natural energy. They took the moment they were in and they ran with it, you know? And I think that, again, a lot of the, a lot of this book, I think showcases that too. Um, you know, that promo, the, the 316 promo that everybody talks about, that was ad libbed. It wasn't anything that was overly rehearsed or discussed. He just got a heads up from Michael Hayes, you know, shortly before he had to do the promo that, uh, oh, Jake Roberts cut a religious promo on you. So he just went in. He, he, he In his head, he popped uh, the idea of John 316 in football stadiums over by the goalpost, popped into his head, and he used that. And uh, and that's how he, you know, that, that catchphrase, you know, was born. Mike, do you happen to have a picture of that beer bash in Japan in the book? No, there isn't a picture in the book, uh, unfortunately. It is something that I, I would imagine uh, uh, the WWE archives might have something on, but uh, I, we only have uh, some illustrations in the book here. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I wish I could tell you I had a photo of it because I'd love to have seen it myself. Okay, well, I got a surprise for you, my friend. I'm looking at it as we speak on my camera roll on my phone. So I will post it to social media immediately. I'll make sure I tag you and include the book's name. Oh, thank you so much. That's awesome. Terrific. Yep. Not a problem. And the name of that book, Bully, is Austin 316, 316 Facts and Stories about Stone Cold Steve Austin. If you've loved the stories that Michael has told on the air, well, guess what? There's 316 of them in this book. Michael, really, thanks for the time, and congratulations and good luck on the book. Gentlemen, thank you very, very much for your time. I I hope you enjoy it, and uh, happy 316 day. Yep, I'm, I Thanks, got the Mike. book Take in my care. hand. I'm going to celebrate it by drinking some daddy sodas and reading your book. Michael, uh, thanks again for the time, man. Appreciate it. Much appreciated here. Thank you. Hey, everyone. This is former NFL linebacker and current SiriusXM NFL radio host, Kirk Morrison. And I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, Total Coverage. Each week, I'll be joined by some of the greatest minds in the game as we explore the hows and the whys behind the week's biggest results. Whether we're breaking down player techniques, game plans, or coaching philosophies, we'll explain the details that define our favorite performances. New episodes will be available every Tuesday on the SiriusXM app, Pandora, and Apple Podcasts. Uh, without further ado, I'll let you announce one of your favorite wrestlers she on really the is. entire planet, Dave LaGreca. <laughs> and yes, you can see her tomorrow night in the main event 
on AEW Dynamite. You can see her on pay-per-view for the NWA on Sunday, March 21st. And that is currently one of the greatest wrestlers in the history of the world. And that is Thunder Rosa. Thunder Rosa, good morning and thanks for joining us today. I actually put makeup on for you guys. So you see how much... (laughs) (laughs) Because I just woke up. Hi, I'm doing I'm doing really good. Um, I just woke up this morning and I'm like, oh my god, one more day, one more day to main event and AEW. I'm super excited. I would assume that this is the first time you've main evented on national television. Yes, yes, it is so, the first time. So obviously you're excited, but are you nervous? Oh, absolutely. Super nervous. Super, super nervous. It's a big deal. Like, um, What are you I, most I, nervous about? Um, you know, um, I don't know. I seriously feel like I'm, I'm about to get in a cage. That's how I feel. It's like that, that feeling that I'm, I'm about to murder Britt Baker. Like, I have to murder her. Huh, that, that's okay. the real feeling. Like, I don't even know how to explain it. Um. Like I'm sweating cold. I'm just like going over things in my head, um, things that can happen, things that could go wrong. It's just like everything. So it's um, it's a very strange feeling. You know, it's interesting because you look at your career and how much it's grown really during a very, very difficult time in pro wrestling during this pandemic. Um, and a lot of a big reason why you've been so successful, not just because of the matches that you have, but how much fan support you have. Like fans have really fallen in love with you with really very little audience and attendance. This has really been over social media and shows like busted open. Like, you know, how do you feel like really your name has grown during an extremely difficult time? Um, it, I don't know. It's just funny because now I'm getting recognized at the airport and it's like, eh, I guess I'm famous now. So it's just, it's so surreal. Um, uh, you know, I always act the same way that I always acted. And like, I don't, I don't act like I'm better than anybody or at all. I'm like, now I'm famous. Um, but it just it comes to tell you that uh, emotional connection is so important in this business in order to be successful. Because yes, you can be a wonderful uh, athlete and you can do really cool stuff and you can have a really cool character. But if you're not connecting with those who are on the other side of the screen, then it's kind of like you're just doing it for yourself. So um, and uh, it, you know it's always been for me to do it for for everybody else. And it's just like it brings me so much joy that people are so inspired so um that they can relate uh to to the character and uh yesterday a woman a latino woman tweeted something about how um hearing my voice hearing my accent and hearing how um the conviction that i have every time i'm on tv or on the screen it really motivates her and it really feels feels uh, makes her feel good to be a latina so it's that's a huge thing for me like because i mentioned to you guys before that I really, at the beginning of my career, I refused, I refused to say, you know, that I was from Mexico. I just wanted people to recognize me as an athlete. But, but now the fact that I am Latina and I can uh, inspire other women to achieve, not only to become a wrestler, but to be whoever they want to be in this country. It's so humbling. Thunder Rosa, you were talking earlier about how much you hate Britt Baker. You have to go in there and murder Britt Baker. You have a lot of disdain for Britt Baker. 
But do Thunder Rosa and Britt Baker need each other right now? Oh my God. Why do you always ask these questions? These are like these questions. I really want to say honey, something. This is why I get paid the big bucks. Are these too hard? It is not hard. It is not hard. Um, yes and no. Yes and no. Um, but I always think, I always thought in, in great storytelling, great movies, you really need a really good baby face and you really need a good heel, right? Batman and the Joker, for example, they complement each other. I think uh, Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa complement each other. And, um, and we need each other. We need each other to murder each other. So people understand, like, I think at this point in, in, at AEW Women's and the Women's Division, they need something like this to happen for people to really understand that we deserve respect, regardless of what everybody says, like, yes, you guys are green, this, that, and that. It doesn't matter. Let us, let us do our thing. Let us show you guys that we can perform, that we can and we should be on main event, that we, we should have time on national television. I've been showing this myself and my partners, whoever is in the ring with me, when we are on Dynamite, that we can do it. So it's time and I, cause it couldn't be, it couldn't be a better time for me to, to do this, you know, and um, I am so blessed. You, you see, now, if I don't ask that difficult question, then we don't get that great answer. I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I understand. Because, no, because that's a, that is a great answer, and it's a great comparison with the Batman and the Joker. When I say need each other, listen, Steve Austin was on this show. We're celebrating Austin 316 Day. I told him, hey, Steve, you needed Vince McMahon. And, and, you know, it's true. Everybody needs somebody because as good as Thunder Rosa is, Thunder Rosa can only get herself to a certain level. And as good as Britt Baker is, she can only get herself to a certain level. So when you find each other, despite the fact that you might not like each other, you kind of need each other to get to the next level. And I'm happy that the, fa- the both of you found each other. I'm looking forward to seeing you both punch each other in the face and leave it all out there because I want to see you guys go out there and steal the show and show the wrestling world that you deserve to be in the main event of this episode of Dynamite. Yeah, you could tell she's nodding. And I, and, I, and I love the analogy between, you know, Batman and Joker, but I almost want to say it's almost like Darth Vader and Duke Skywalker. It's more of like <laughs> that relationship than Batman it's and the Joker. Luke Skywalker, not Duke Skywalker. Yeah, what John Wayne was the Duke. <laughs> uh, Thunder Rosa, you know what is even more interesting about this main event tomorrow night? And, it, and again, credit to you, is that you're not even really officially a part of this AEW roster. Think about it, Bully, right? I mean, this is historical. It's the main event. The first time the women have main evented on AEW Dynamite, and one of the competitors in the match isn't even officially a a signee with AEW. I think, uh, Thunder Rosa, that's a credit to how good you are in the ring and also going back to what Bully said, the story you're telling with Britt Baker. Um. Yeah, that's one thing I'm like, oh my God, you know, like I make that statement in my head. Oh my God, I'm making time. Uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, it comes down to like, it's not about being signed. I think Tony Khan really saw from the moment I stepped in the ring in AEW that, oh, oh, oh crap, like 
this Thunder Rosa, she has something like she's she's into something. And I think this will be a great platform for her to to do that. Right. And um, it just speaks volumes of what talent can bring in, in, in somebody that is willing to work with absolutely anybody to uh, to elevate the women's division. Because at the end of the day, when I came to AEW, I came here not only to put myself over, but to really elevate every single woman in the women's division. Because as you guys know, I'm so I'm so passionate about equality in 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 the business, and especially nowadays, it is it's a new generation, and we really need to work with each other uh, to to empower each other and to uh, make each other feel like we can uh, take anybody and we can just. Uh, perform just as as the men do and um and like i said every time i got in the ring that's what i wanted to show that um that we can empower each other that we can be main event at any time even if we are in second match and that we deserve the spot um moving into tomorrow night's match uh take us behind the curtain just a little bit is there anybody that you will find yourself speaking to like a producer or an agent with regard to your match? Do you find like a Dustin Rhodes? Do you find like an Arn Anderson? Who's somebody that you confide in and trust to help put a match together that's gonna live up to your expectations? Um, I definitely have a very a strong connection with Dustin Rhodes. Um, even when he's not my agent, I, I feel very inclined to go and talk to him. He's been helping the ladies for a minute now. And um, he pours his heart and soul to help us develop our skills um he's definitely one of those guys that grabs me by the shoulders looks at me in the eyes and, and says you're one of the best women here you know what to do you got it like he, al- he always any any match that i have he, he always does that uh, definitely jerry lynn he's such a kind-hearted man um and he is great with storytelling um he's another one that i go to in terms of like more technical stuff and uh, more, uh, it was what the matches are really like difficult. Um, I go with Ar- Anderson. I had a cage match with Allison K. I definitely he was the first one that I went and talked to. I was like, hey, I have a cage match. What should I do? What What do you think I should do? And he, he just like explained it and, and broke it down. And I was like, oh, like, the knowledge is it's so rich in in AW. And then I go with uh, with Dean Malenko. Cause he makes me laugh and uh, he takes the nervousness away. But um, he's, he's one of those guys that even when I don't ask for feedback, he's watching my stuff and he comes on the side and he, he pulls me aside and he's like, this is what you do. Did great. This is what you can work on your next match. So for me has, like I said, it's been pretty amazing that I have men like that to, to, uh, to guide me and to tell me what I uh, can do better and what I have done, you know, that it was it was successful. Uh, Britt Baker is going to join us here tomorrow on Busted Open. Is there anything that you would like us to pass along to Britt when she comes on the show tomorrow? Something that, I, man, I mean, I, I've, I've said it all. I think tomorrow is going to be payback for her. Um, I, like I said, one of the things that really irked me and continue to irk me just in, re- in in my personal life too, is when people treat me like I don't belong in places. I've been treated like that since I came to this country because I'm not from this country because of my accent, because of I'm, I'm older than anybody, because X, Y, and Z. And she just like revived that feeling of me feeling like I'm segregated, like I don't belong. But 
now at my age, I'm like, okay, cool. I, I can take it in a different way. I channel all that anger, all that bad blood that I have with people that treated me like that. And it's going to go towards the ass beating that she's going to get tomorrow at AW. And she knows I'm not afraid of her. And she knows that she has to bring her friend to take care of business. When I go there in the ring, Brit, I come by myself because I can tear, I can tear, take care of business like an adult. And that means by myself. So once my hands got to be raised tomorrow, I did it by myself. I didn't need no freaking help. You need to knock out one of her teeth. That's what you need to do. <laughs> Just say it. Um, try. I'm going to try. You already know that. So you said when your hand gets raised tomorrow, are you guaranteeing victory? Of course. Why am I going to get in the ring thinking that I'm not going to win? That's the mentality that you have to have all the time, regardless of what the odds are against you. Always. Always. You never know. Okay. I, know for a fact, I know for a fact that I'm going to win. Like again, when I get in the cage next time or the next fight, this is the same mentality I'm going to have. I can't be like, oh, well, maybe. No. I'm a winner. No matter what. So Thursdays are a huge day on Busted Open. Um, and we are constantly talking about AEW and NXT and you being in the first women's main event on Dynamite. You're probably going to be the first thing that we talk about sure. on this show yep. on Thursday. So what do you expect us to be talking about? Actually, what do you want us to be talking about? What are your expectations for the match? Other than um, winning. Uh, like I said, it, it, I'm, I'm coming for blood. Nice. You know, it's like, I, this is like a, a Thunder Rose that is going to be unleashed. I am ready to be unleashed tomorrow. Like I'm, you know, I, every time I'm stepping in the ring, I feels like I, I'm like adding a level of aggressiveness and I'm adding a level of something that I haven't done previously. And um, you should expect the unexpected tomorrow, like from both of us, because both we're, we're both trying to prove something. She's more, more, more her than me, but um, I'm just tired. I'm sick and tired of being treated like I don't belong. Is this the biggest moment of your career? Currently, yes, it is the biggest moment in my career. I will say it more than even winning a championship. It's history making. And wow. you guys know all about making history. I'm obsessed with making history. Well, I'll say this. It's not just about tomorrow night, Thunder Rosa, because this weekend you have a number one contenders match on a pay-per-view with the return of the NWA, you and Camille. Talk about that matchup that's taking place this weekend. People have been waiting for it. Uh, I mean, it was supposed to happen before the pandemic happened. So, uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see uh, what we will see what she learned during the pandemic. You know, I stay active. I don't know about her. She's she's completely transformed during this pandemic. Like, she's completely different. I mean, we're going to see a different Camille than the one that we saw on NWA Power. Uh, yeah, she's um, uh, doing bodybuilding. She's uh, yep. in another completely different discipline than I am. Um, you know, I stayed in uh, professional wrestling slash MMA training. Um, like I said, like, uh, like I said, LaGreca, uh, just throw me anybody. I stayed ready. I know. I, I hear you. Was there was there ever a doubt about for you personally? Was there ever a doubt about the NWA returning? 
Was that a fear that you may have had? No, it's just it's just a matter of time. Like right now, like I said, with everything in life, I'm kind of like riding the wave, and it's just like, oh, it's happening. Okay, let's get up, let's get on the surfboard. You know, let's let's come and have fun. Um, worrying about the future, worrying about opportunities that might or might not happen. There, it's not the best way to go. As we as we know with the, with the pandemic, everything changed from one moment to another. Um, so I just you know try to keep an open mind, and and we're going we're coming back and. Uh, it's time to work. It's, that's the only thing that I can say. It's time to work. What is, if you can talk about this, please do. If not, that's okay. What is your status or working relationship like? I mean, you're an, you're contracted to the NWA, but you're allowed to work with AEW whenever you want or whenever Billy and Tony say it's okay. How does that work for you? Uh, it's, it's, it depends on them. It's, it's, I mean, if I want to work anywhere, like I'll be like, yeah, let me work. Uh, it's, uh, they are the ones who deal with that part of my contract. I really like, they just send me like, Oh, this is your dates. I'm like, all right, cool. Thanks. You know, that's pretty much it. Okay. She's always ready. She's always ready. I, I know for myself, Thunder Rosa tomorrow, I'm going to be wearing my Thunder Rosa t-shirt when I'm watching you- AEW Dynamite. I'm sure before you go to the ring, you'll be wearing your Dave LaGreca t-shirt for extra motivation <laughs> before your big main event match tomorrow night. At least that's what I think anyway. I don't know. Well, you know what I'm going to do? Um, I'm going to look for it because I, I just washed all my clothes and I haven't put it away for the last two weeks because I haven't been here. But um, I'm going to look for it. And if I don't if I do not do it tomorrow, I will definitely Definitely do it for the NOA pay-per-view. How about that? Ah, I'll be I'll be watching that as well. Uh, good luck tomorrow <laughs> night. Good luck uh, for the NWA back for the attack pay-per-view. If you see Tony Khan at all during before your match on Dynamite tomorrow night, just just say, hey, Tony, can you brush your hair a little bit? Hell of a nice <laughs> guy, but the guy does need a little bit of grooming. No? Don't mess with Tony's hair. He's just like me. We get up, we just put a little bit of uh, leave-in conditioner, and we go about our business. This is, this is what happens when you have curly, beautiful hair. Don't mess with Tony's hair. <laughs> <laughs> Thunder Rosa, congratulations on everything, and good luck. Good luck tomorrow night against Britt Baker, and good luck against Camille this weekend. Thank you. Thank you, guys. I hope you guys steal the show. Knock them dead. We will. Make sure you tune in tomorrow. Uh, we'll I'll definitely try. be t- no. We're t- we're we're starting the show on <laughs> Thursday talking about this match. So of course we're going to be watching it tomorrow night. That's how we're going to start off the first show. Words out of our mouth on Thursday will be Thunder Rosa. That's that's one hundred percent true. Thanks for listening. Catch us Monday through Saturday on Busted Open from nine a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel One Fifty Six. The Busted Open Podcast. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.